0: Hey everyone, it's Michelle. Welcome to the Just Michelle Talking Podcast. Man, I've been having a lot of fun doing this and one of the things I have not been aware of, which is possibly a little ignorant of me, is how many of my friends and coworkers and family members have been listening to the podcast and who do me the great, great service of sending a text or an email or a message to tell me that they've been listening and that they enjoy it and often to give me feedback about what I've said or what I didn't say, or what their thoughts are about a certain topic, and I have absolutely loved that. So if you are somebody who has given me some feedback, or if you're somebody who I see or work with every day, thank you. Thank you for being part of this experience. It was a little daunting at first to think that people I know in like real life are going to see this, or or rather hear this, but it's been really good. And I wanted to share a bit of feedback that I recently got a couple of episodes ago, I did the Turn Left Life episode and, and all about that concept of living a turn left life. And it's funny because as I was recording that episode, I really disliked it. I felt like I couldn't get my point across. I felt like I was just yammering away, which obviously I was yammering away. This podcast is about yammering. And I just felt like I couldn't solidify my thoughts on it and something which made so much perfect logical sense in my head really wasn't translating well into that podcast. But when I started this podcast, I promised myself that I wouldn't edit these episodes. I wouldn't um, you know, feel shitty about things I said. I would just kind of let my freeform thoughts go out into the ether and see what happens. And so I chose to publish that episode because even though I really struggled with it and it was really hard for me to feel like I was getting my point across, I have, I have my no edit plan. And someday I might change my mind on that and and start editing these. But for the moment, I really want them to be a raw peek into a little corner or several little corners of my brain. So I sent it off into the world and I got back a piece of feedback from somebody who is a former student of mine in the business of baking world and somebody who I I would consider a friend. And I was really happy that she sent me this feedback. And she said, you know, Michelle, you've always told us not to apologize for our work just because we can see the flaws doesn't mean other people can see the flaws. Just because we're not happy with it doesn't mean other people won't think it's great. And you, you've always taught us that like, don't offer a discount before the person has actually picked up their product. This happens a lot in the custom cake industry where you make a cake, you're not all that happy with it, and before the customer can even clap eyes on it you're like let me just give you 20 bucks back because I feel like it's not my best work whereas they're looking at it and because it's not a skill they have it would never occur to them to complain or see those flaws or see those problems and so she said in that episode about the term left life you apologize all the time for not getting it right and she said I actually thought that your point was really clear and I understood it perfectly but I was bothered by the fact that you kept interrupting yourself to say to to apologize for it. And I I, firstly was enormously grateful for that feedback. So thank you so much. And secondly, she's right. You know, the voice of self criticism that lives in our head all the time often doesn't take into account that simply because we see the flaws, other people cannot. But the lesson I learned from that is if I didn't feel that I was getting my point across, the solution there was not to edit that that, um, episode the solution there was not to keep apologizing. The solution there was to probably stop, breathe, delete that recording or stop that recording in the middle, take a few minutes to write down what I was trying to get across bullet points and then re-record it. Rather than put out something that I'm not proud of or I feel doesn't kind of fully you know say what I want it to say, and then ends up disappointing me and ends up being low quality because I'm apologizing. The solution is probably to just stop. And breathe, regroup, and start again. And it occurs to me that that advice would probably be good for a whole lot of things. That advice probably applies to making cakes for a client. You know, that apply- advice probably applies to hard conversations you're having with colleagues or friends. That advice probably applies to all kinds of things. I can think of. If you're in a job interview. It's not quite going. You know, just stop and take a deep breath, regroup a little bit, and then and then start again. And it, it really made me think that my policy of not editing doesn't need to be a policy of, I send out stuff I'm not proud of, right? I don't think that those two things go together. So that was super, super useful feedback and I, I really appreciated it. And that's a really long way of just reminding you that if you are creating something, if you're sewing something, baking something, having a conversation with somebody, in a relationship with somebody, whatever it is, it, it's never too late to just stop and breathe and and regroup and then and then carry on maybe in a different tack if you need to it's really okay but moving forward being not proud of what you're creating and just apologizing the whole way to not get where you want to go anyway is is a bit of a pointless exercise so I really appreciated her feedback and I really took the time to kind of stop and think about that and think how that's pretty solid advice I think so I think next time I'm recording a podcast episode, I'm not happy with all the way. It's definitely a hitting the pause button and, and starting again and maybe deleting it, maybe just carrying on and saying, Hey guys, I just took my own advice and decided to keep going. So I've had some very amazing feedback, like I said, from people that I work with. And what's been really amazing is that people I had no idea were listening are listening. And that to me is a, an amazingly beautiful experience that I literally have gotten Teams messages from people at work like, hey, Michelle, listen to your episode on this. And I'm like, I didn't know that person listens. But I'm so glad that person listens. Because the whole point of this is to create a community of connected people is to create an experience where you feel like you and I are just having a chat and we're having an opportunity to to hang together, you know, And those conversations with people at work have been really beautiful. Hey, Michelle, I listened to your podcast about this. You're totally right, or you're totally wrong, or this is what I think about that. And it's deepened the connections that I have in real life. And so the unexpected gift I've gotten from that podcast is, is that, those unexpectedly deeper more connected conversations and funnily enough i actually um i posted about this podcast's existence on linkedin recently i don't know why because linkedin is for grown-ups and i am not a grown-up and so i don't know what possessed me but i posted that i'm doing this and again had a number of old colleagues from old jobs kind of like oh this is great i want to listen to this and i had a moment of of fear and vulnerability like oh my what are they going to think I don't care what they're going to think. I hope they just enjoy it. And if they don't enjoy it, they can stop listening. It's okay. So I posted that thing on, on grownups LinkedIn. And then like two days later, I happened to be in a group meeting and somebody from another team in my business was like, oh, Hey, I heard you started a life coaching podcast. And first I was like, it's not a life coaching podcast. But then I was like, yeah, actually I kind of did or whatever. And that ended up starting a whole nother conversation with another person in that meeting, which was really beautiful. And that person and I now have plans to have lunch next week. And I don't think I would have otherwise connected to that person. So it's kind of funny how a digital medium has led to a whole lot of real life, life connections. And I'm, I'm hugely proud of that. And I'm hugely excited by that. And I'm interested to see where this leads, not just for me, but for you. And I think one of the ways you can facilitate that or make that happen is if you listen to one of these episodes and you think that the message in it is something or the story in it is funny or interesting or something that's of relevance to you and someone else share that with them. Hey, I just heard this podcast. Here's the link. Thought you might find it interesting. We should chat about this. You know, It's, it's an opportunity to make a real life connection with somebody. So I think that should be your, your unofficial homework for the week is to go do that. So let's get on to today's episode. It's December, my absolutely favorite month of the year. I love December for many, many, many reasons. Firstly, because it's Christmas. And though I'm not Christian, I love Christmas. I love sparkly, bobbly, amazing things. And like, Wearing silly hats and having earrings that light up and ugly sweaters. And I love everything about Christmas. One of my favorite times of year is when like local suburban streets, like shopping strips and stuff, put up like boughs of holly. Is it holly that they're putting out of that green stuff? Boughs of fur? What is that? Anyway, green stuff, like above the street, and I love all the wreaths everywhere, and Australia is a very Christian country, so there is Christmas stuff everywhere. So I love Christmas. I love the music. I love the noise and the lights and the shiny and the whatever. So firstly, I love December because it's Christmas. Secondly, I love December because it's also the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. And because I couldn't have Christmas growing up, I turned Hanukkah into like my own personal vaguely Christmas kind of thing. And it's the one time of year where my environmentalist recycling heart kind of goes on a little vacay and I basically cover my house in a lot of Hanukkah decorations that are silver and blue and sparkly and spin around and light up and do stuff. And I have lots of dreidels and I use, I like literally use kitchen towels that say stuff like, I love you a latke. And I think I own like, I want to say 10, maybe more Hanukkah t-shirts and pajamas and socks. And this year, thanks to a girlfriend of mine, I now own Hanukkah face masks because we should all be Corona healthy. And basically I'm obsessed with Hanukkah and I have always loved Hanukkah. So I'm excited about getting to like, get my kids cheesy gifts and Hanukkah is just the best. And also you get to eat fried stuff, which hello, all Jewish holidays are good because we get to eat stuff. And there's a very, very old uh, saying that Judaism can be described in one sentence, which is they came, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. And I feel like that's a really great philosophy for life. So it's Hanukkah. The other reason I love December is that uh, December 1st is officially the first day of summer in Australia. Summer in Australia to me is a magical, mystical, amazing, beautiful time. I don't live on a beach. I'm not like spending all day watching those guys from like Bondi Rescue run down the road and look glistening and golden. But there's something about summertime in Australia which is hopeful and loving and amazing. And I just. Oh man, I just really love it. And I've always loved it. It's such a beautiful time. The the light, there's just a quality about the light, which is sort of golden. This is sounding so cheesy, but it's so true. And I love the fact that it doesn't get dark until like nine or nine thirty at night. And so that your days feel longer, like you can do much. And I love just sitting outside and drinking drinks and eating snacks and enjoying the sunshine. And I just love an Australian summer, the lazy days and the time off and the joy in the air. And I'm not cold, which for me as, as a chronic anemia person is like a big thing. So I love summer in Australia. And I love the idea of new beginnings that January will bring and picking my word of the year and all that. Maybe we should talk about that in another episode, the word of the year. So anyway, I just... I really love everything about summer in Australia. So December 1st is exciting for me because it's summer, end of the work year, all that stuff. And the last reason that I love December is that it's my birthday month. For people who know me in real life, you will never ever forget my birthday. And for those of you listening, you will also never forget my birthday because my birthday is on Christmas Day, which is so completely ironic for a Jewish child. But there you go. My, my mom tells me that I was born in a Jewish hospital. So there was like no carols or anything, which is like so disappointing. Because last night I was watching a movie with my daughter, one of those super cheesy Netflix Christmas movies, and they were in a hospital, and there were all these babies born on Christmas Day, and all the babies in the nursery were like stuffed into these little stockings with these little tiny Santa hats on. I'm like, I would have been the cutest baby in that outfit, but it didn't happen. So my birthday is Christmas Day, which as a child I hated beyond all belief because, one, you can never have your birthday. At school with all your friends like you can't bring cupcakes and two your friends can never come to a birthday party on your actual birthday which by the way that part actually still sucks and three it's just like no one's ever around and people are busy doing their own thing and so it's not special because nobody remembers that you can do stuff on your birthday like they remember your birthday but it's not like they're like let's go out it's because they're all tired from going out from other stuff so when I was a kid I really hated it As an adult, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. One, it's always a topic of conversation. Like I'm never stuck for a topic of conversation because that topic always works. And two, everyone always remembers. So it means that once a year I get texts from people I haven't heard from in a year. I hear from all kinds of people. I get people saying beautiful things to me. People really try to remember it because they realize it's a sucky birthday to have or they think it's a sucky birthday to have. So they remember it and they, they try a lot harder. And it's just, generally speaking, a super gorgeous thing because they remember that stuff. And then they kind of take the time out of their day with their own friends or family to say happy birthday. And so I really love it. So we are now a couple of weeks away from my birthday. And as I approach my birthday this year, is, I don't know if this is considered a big year. So this year I will be 45. Oh, it feels like super old okay, maybe we don't talk about that part too much. Anyway, so thinking about my birthday, I was thinking about like, what kind of lessons have I learned? Like this is the most egotistical podcast episode ever, but what lessons have I learned as I approach, maybe this is the half point of my life. Like I feel like living to 90 is pretty legit. So maybe this is like somewhere near the halfway mark of my life, having lived half my lifestyle or lifespan rather. It's all about the lessons I've learned. And I thought I would share some of those with you guys today uh just as a bit of fun really now i should say that i don't particularly put much i guess value in the number part i have always felt like a teenager trapped in an adult's body it's it's how my nieces and nephews have always described me like are you sure you're a grown-up because i don't think so and you know in my house we used to joke that you're only as old as the people you feel so you want to make sure your partner's always younger than you <laughs> um I just, age has never been that important to me. And I think that's, you know, when we see like, oh, this 90 year old just finished a marathon and this 87 year old just got their degree at Oxford. You know, that's just reminders that age is kind of irrelevant. And, you know, in that episode earlier, I talked about time and time passing and how I do those things at work for people who are older than I am. And I just realized, if they can do it, why can't I do it? And so I don't put much value in in age and in numbers. I think all things are possible at all ages, really. You just gotta look after yourself. So without further ado, here are some, definitely not all, but some of the lessons that I've learned in my 45 circles around the sun. Let's, this is in no particular order, by the way. This was me literally doing a brain dump onto a piece of paper, one of the only times I actually fully wrote out what I wanted to talk about today. So let's go. So many things matter so much less than you think they will but it's impossible to know which is which. Doesn't that suck, right? When I look back over the life I've had so far, very small choices that I made led to very big changes, whereas very big choices that I made that I thought were huge and life-changing and whatever actually ended up having little or no impact whatsoever. And I've also learned that the shit of this is that we often put the weight on the wrong things. So we think it's those decisions that feel big and life-changing and this, that and the other, you know, we, we stress and we worry and we, whatever about those. And then a week later, we're like, wait, that's what I was worried about. You know, that was the conversation I was scared about. Oh my God, nothing happened. Oh my God. I wasted like six months stressing about this for nothing. And yet other things that we do in our daily lives that we don't think much about or a conversation we have doesn't mean much or the person we say hello to at the airport or whatever ends up having a huge impact on our lives. But at the time it feels like nothing just feels like life. And so the lesson, I don't know if that's a lesson. I guess it's more of a reminder that the big stuff and the little stuff, sometimes we get them around the wrong way, but most important. So many things matter so much less than you think they will, but it's impossible to know that at the time. This has been a really big one for me. Also comes back, I suppose, to my episode on perspective and time, right? You learn these things after. Next one is that life is far too short to constantly compromise on food choices, How often do you go to a cafe for lunch or dinner? I know at the moment with Corona, we're not all going that much, but just remember a time that you went to a cafe or a restaurant and you like really want the burger and you're like, Oh, I totally would love that burger. That burger sounds so good. Oh my God. Yeah. But then you're like, nah, I should have the salad. And you order the salad and like you eat it and the salad's like nice and stuff, but you know, it's just like salad and it's like not that big juicy burger and those crispy fries and stuff. Seriously, order the freaking burger. And here's why I want you to order the freaking burger. Firstly, life is too short to constantly compromise on your food choices. Secondly, the amount of enjoyment I have gotten out of ordering what I actually want and enjoying what I actually want to eat or drink is so much bigger than, and so much nicer then the regret and frustration and irritation I feel later where I'm like, yeah, I had dinner with my friends, but like, I had that salad, you know, by the way, there are nice salads in the world. I'm not anti-salad. Don't like all spam me with your anti-salad sentiments. So I don't know. I think so often we compromise on little things that we shouldn't compromise on. And menu choices is one of those. Or we think like other people are going to judge us. No, just no compromising on the menu choices. If you're finally going out and you're having a good time have what you enjoy having enjoy the whole experience not just part of the experience compromises are necessary sometimes limiting yourself is necessary sometimes but most of the time we do it for really terrible reasons right because we're following some sort of bizarre set of rules yeah the next one is something I mentioned an entire podcast episode about, and so it's something to remind you all, which that decisions are reversible even when you think they're forever. I spoke about this in an earlier episode where I talked about how everything is figure outable. Pretty much the only forever decisions you can't reverse are having children and choosing to end your own life. I can't think of anything else that's like truly not reversible, changeable, figure outable, pivotable, whatever. And maybe that goes back a little bit to that concept of so many things matter so much less than you think they will. Maybe those two things are related. The next one is that jeans are acceptable attire at any age. I'm just going to leave that one right there, really. I just think you can wear jeans no matter how old you are. I don't feel like that should be something that age is like not a thing. I think this about Converse too. Actually, you know what? I think this about old clothing. I feel like that expression... What makes a bikini body, a body wearing a bikini? Yeah, like I feel like that's true for everything. What makes a jeans acceptable body, a, a body wearing jeans, a body wearing whatever. Where would you want to wear, where you want to wear it. If you feel comfortable and happy in it, go for it. The only rule we have in my house, which I'm pretty sure I've told you guys about is if you don't love it, it doesn't come home from the store. You got to love it. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to buy that thing. You're going to put it in the back of the cupboard because you intend to wear it. And that thing ain't never coming out. It's just going to grow dust back there. So jeans, acceptable attire at any age. In fact, any attire, acceptable at any age. Seriously, wear what makes you happy. This is the next one is something that's taken me a long time to learn. Oh, my God. Which is that saying no allows you to say yes to stuff you actually care about wow, this was a really hard one for me to learn earlier. And this is also people who are people pleasers will struggle with this. The more you say no to things, the more you can say yes to stuff that's actually important and you lead a much more quality filled and, and happy life. It's it's a funny one, this one. We think saying no limits us and I think saying no expands bans us you know by saying no i can't go to the opening of that really terrible awful show that has people in it i don't understand saying things i don't get and it's just weird and makes me feel awkward are you saying yes to some quiet time to work on your mental health are you saying yes to dinner with your daughter are you saying yes to going for a walk so saying no allows you to say yes to the stuff that actually matters to you as opposed to when you say yes to everything, you just piss off everybody, including yourself. I used to have a friend who was really terrible at this. Um, And so she's the kind of person who'd be like, hey, so I'm coming to your party, but I've got to go to eight because I have this other person's party. And all that happened was, she made me feel like I wasn't that important because she was leaving my party halfway. She made the other person feel like they weren't that important because she was showing up late to their party. And she made herself feel like shit because she didn't enjoy either party because she was running between them. Say no more. And then it allows you to say yes to way cooler stuff, right? Then the next rule I've got, not rule, guidance, lesson. Stuff Michelle thinks about, let's call it that. This really what this whole podcast is, is that parenthood is way, way more fun than people are willing to admit. It has almost become shameful to say that you like your kids and you enjoy them. Now, this might be a really unpopular opinion, but I think that it has become the norm for women of about my age, so, you know, 40s, 30s, whatever, to post a whole lot of wine memes about how, like, they have to drink these giant glasses of wine to cope with their kids. And, you know, all they want is for their partner to vacuum and then give them wine. And, like, there's a big thing around wine being a coping mechanism for everybody, especially when it comes to kids. And I just think... If your kids see that, what an awful feeling to think like my mom can't exist without needing to like self-medicate in the extreme. That's a terrible impression that we are giving those kids. Now, I'm not saying that all parenthood is wine and roses. It isn't. Sometimes it's super hard. Sometimes it's super exhausting. Sometimes kids have troubles that have nothing to do with us, but that we're responsible for their special needs. They're just difficult personalities. They're whatever. Not all parenthood is wonderful, but lots of parenthood is actually pretty cool. I've had an unbelievably good time raising my kids. Did I sometimes cry? Oh my goodness, yes. But sometimes those tears were tears of happiness, not just tears of misery. And to be honest, I find it really fun. They make me laugh. They're just, they make me learn a lot about me. I find my kids hilarious, which by the way, they don't like because they keep telling me they're not that funny and to stop laughing. But, you know, it's... I think that for a long time, societally, women had to pretend like life was all easy and simple, and I've got it all, and it's all great, and it's this, that, and the other, and and that was damaging and hurtful, and I think a really bad thing. But it's sort of like the pendulum has swung the other way, that it's become very en vogue now to say... Parenthood is so hard. I need to drink all the time. You know, I've got to self-medicate with this, that, and the other. It's just impossible. Kids are so hard. And yeah, kids are sometimes hard, but kids are also great fun. And so I sort of think that pendulum has now kind of swung a little too far. And I wonder about these generations now who are going to see all their moms posting all this stuff about like, you know, you know, here's the glass of wine I needed after dinner or whatever, or the bottle of wine I needed after dinner or whatever. And so I guess I just want us to remember that, yeah, sometimes parenthood's hard and you need the wine and you need the chocolate and the whatever, but sometimes it's a great joy and it's great fun. And I wish we remembered that we can post about both those things and not feel any pressure or shame. We can say I had a great time with my kids today or today's a hard day and neither of those are notable, you know? So for me anyway, I think parenthood is a lot more fun than people are willing to admit and that it's okay to say you like your kids and you like hanging out with them, you know? I remember when I was a kid, I used to love hanging out with my parents and when I was about, oh, I want to say like 12 or 13, my mom sat me down and told me I can't hang out with my parents anymore because it's not good. Rubbish. I love hanging out with my parents. My kids like hanging out with me, listen, I think so. Okay, on to the next one. Oh, we're back to food again, which should be like no great surprise. So I have one friend in particular who's going to hear this. who's not going to be terribly impressed with me, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is that fruit, dried or otherwise, does not count as something sweet. Uh, seriously? Anybody who's like, oh, you want some sweetness? Have an apple. Oh, you want something sweetness? Have a handful of cherries. No, no and no. That is not the sweetness that I am after, okay? It's, it's just, it's really not. Okay, how many dates I eat, It's not going to taste as good as a block of milk chocolate. (laughs) So for me personally, this might not be for you. uh, like fruit, dried, fresh, whatever is like not, doesn't count as something sweet. I'm not after something sweet in air quotes. I'm after artificial sweetie goodness that comes from sugar cane. Uh, Seriously, fructose is not a sweetener ever. It's really not. So just no, no, is, is what I'm saying, right? And along those same lines, my next lesson at 45 is that the dishes never end. Nobody told me that adulthood was just all about dishes. Seriously. Is there a point at which we stop running that machine? Oh, okay. So anybody who tells me that fruit is a sweet thing, no. Anybody who tells me that ad- adulthood is about like jobs and responsibility, no. It's apparently just about doing dishes. <laughs> all right. Maybe we should talk about like real adulting for a minute here. So here's the super adult rule I learned, which is, I didn't learn this this year. I've known this for a long time, but I thought I'd remind you all, which is that not everything in life is fun, but sometimes you have to do it anyway, which I feel like is the great sucky lesson of adulthood that nobody actually told me. This doesn't mean you stop having fun, by the way. This doesn't mean you stop having adventures. This doesn't mean any of that. It just means that sometimes, sometimes, you got to do stuff that's not fun. Not, hopefully not all the time. But that's kind of the definition of adulting. Sometimes doing stuff that's not fun, i.e. dishes. <laughs> so I, as I said, I'm, I'm a, te- you know, a teenager trapped in an adult's body and I, and I love to do stupid, ridiculous stuff. But sometimes I got to do like boring stuff or uninteresting stuff or scary stuff. Or scary stuff. I do scary stuff all the time. And scary, by the way, will, will change person to person. So here's one that I have particularly learned this year as the advent of the pandemic has meant that I'm not going anywhere, which is that saving money feels better than spending it. I will put a caveat on that to say in the long term. So spending money and money not buying happiness, we can talk about that a little later. I think money does buy happiness, but the feeling of security that you get from saving is really nice. Now, I'm not saying that the feeling of buying yourself something new isn't really nice and treating yourself isn't really nice, because it is. But I'm saying you need to learn when treating yourself has become less of a treat and more of a habit. So if you are constantly rewarding yourself is that actually a reward or is that just fueling essentially a dopamine addiction? Wow. That sounded dramatic in adult, didn't it? But I've, I've really learned that we've become a culture of treat yourself, treat yourself, treat yourself. And I, I, I'm in treat yourself, but I'm in the treat part. As in I want it to be a treat, and if you 're constantly out there spending 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 spending, and then feeling a bit crap afterwards because you 're broke or you 're poor or whatever, then that 's not treating yourself that 's medicating yourself right so i 've learned that that for me anyway, saving money feels better than than spending it in the long term and treating myself then really does feel like a treat as opposed to something i just do all the time so the lesson or reminder here is treat yourself not so often that that treating is a habit right treat yourself so that the treating is a treat now get into the habit of treating yourself as in like don't deny yourself everything all the time but it's not an endless rotating door of new stuff i think There's also an environmental impact in that, but that's a whole nother story and a whole nother soapbox for me to climb right on top of. And so, you know, that soapbox will be made out of recycled cardboard. Okay. This is a big one as well. Probably follows on from that whole money, the whole money concept, I think. And that is... (laughs) that you can be responsible for something without that something being your fault. Now I didn't invent this lesson. I actually think I heard this from Mark Manson. I could be wrong. Uh, So I'm going to give him temporary credit until I can research this properly and find out where the original saying came from. But this is a really interesting one to me that you can be responsible for something without that something being your fault. That's a really interesting one to me. So, Unfortunately, we cannot control other people's actions and behaviors. But also, unfortunately, sometimes we're responsible for the end result of their behaviors or actions. And I'm not going to lie. That's kind of sucky, right? That somebody else did something crap and we have to pay the price for it. But I think... God, you know, that's just the reality of it. That sometimes we have to clean up other people's messes, or if we or or to put a more positive spin on that. If we wanted to live our lives a certain way and have things come out a certain way, sometimes we have to take action we didn't think we'd need to, or we don't necessarily want to, or we can't afford, or we whatever. Sometimes you have to take responsibility for something that has nothing to do with you simply because you want to lead a certain life. And if I need a, I don't, but if I needed a global example, you know, wearing a mask and washing your hands at the moment is probably the best example I can think of where this pandemic isn't your fault, but taking care of your hygiene is your responsibility. So that, yeah, it's a perfect global example at the moment. And I don't really understand the people who are wandering around the world talking about it's being a pandemic and this, that, and the other and all this kind of stuff. I don't understand all that. I really, really, really don't. But more importantly than that, I think we just need to remember that just because you're responsible for something doesn't mean that you're at fault for it. And I think sometimes we mix those two things and we think I have to clean this up, therefore this is my problem. Well, it might be your problem to clean up, but it wasn't the problem that you created. And so understanding the separation between what's your responsibility versus what's your fault, I think is really, really, really important. And it's a lesson that possibly we learn over and over and over again with time, right? We we just see how we go. So I'm going to, I have loads more lessons that I wrote down and I think I might actually just put that in another episode for today. So we're we're not here chatting for too long because I try to keep these episodes short, but I'll give you one last fun one and then next episode we'll finish up this list and I'll tell you a little bit about what's coming up in the next season. So here we go. Leggings don't look good on anyone, (laughs) but they're comfortable, right? I seriously haven't met a single person on whom I think leggings look good. This has nothing to do with age. This has nothing to do with physique. There's nothing to do with anything other than I just think leggings are a terrible item of clothing. Also, same thing for skinny jeans. I don't think skinny jeans look good on literally anybody, including people who are ultra skinny. I, I, in fact, skinny jeans, I'm going to say, I don't even think those are comfortable, Right personally i think all jeans are more comfortable if the material has some stretch in it but here's the thing the fact that i think leggings don't look good on anyone anywhere ever literally i've never seen a single person i'm like you look amazing in those leggings wow good fabric choice or good clothing choice leggings are just the worst thing ever but here's the thing who cares wear what you want to wear right? We, already, we went through this lesson already. Just because Michelle thinks that leggings are horrible and that jeans really need to have some stretch and not look like they're painted to your legs a la skinny jeans doesn't mean you shouldn't wear those. So <laughs> the lesson here, of course, is that leggings are just a terrible idea. But the lesson I want you to take home is it really doesn't matter what a Michelle thinks. If you're comfortable in those leggings, man, just go for it all be who you want to be, wear who you want to be, be comfortable in who you are. I'm going to continue this lesson in the next these lessons in the next episode. I'm having far too good a time, and that list is far too long for me to just stop here. So we're going to carry on into that one. I will see you or hear you or feel your love in that one. But in the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and may you be at peace.